Hey, it's Larry. Uh, Thanks for listening. Happy New Year. Real quick, before we get into this episode, I had such an amazing, eye-opening, life-changing experience at the World Parkinson Congress in Kyoto that I want others to have that opportunity, too. So Becca Miller and I and 24 of our PD community friends have launched a year-long WPC Travel Grant Fundraiser. We're each doing a two-week Facebook fundraiser. Mine's underway right now because my birthday's January 9th. All the money raised will be used to help offset travel costs so more people with young-onset Parkinson's can attend the next WPC in Barcelona in 2022. You can search out details on the When Life Gives You Parkinson's Facebook page or donate directly to the WPC website. Go to wpc2022.org slash yopdfund. If you or your business would like to supply matching funds... Hey, good on you. Email me at parkinsonspot at curiouscast.ca. And now, on with the show. My name is Larry Gifford, and I have Parkinson's disease. I was 45 years old when I was diagnosed in August 2017. It took a while before I was comfortable and confident enough to tell close friends and colleagues about it. But now, I'm ready to share my story with you. This is When Life Gives You Parkinson's. Joining me each week is producer and reporter Nikki Reitmeyer. Hi, Nikki. Hey, Larry. So my role is going to be one of curiosity. I'm going to ask those dumb questions or the inappropriate questions, questions that you know I'm a little bit afraid to ask. Oh, other bring it on. Maybe may be afraid to ask. I want to talk to some experts, too, in the Parkinson's community to see how your experience, Larry, is different to or similar to others. So with that said, Larry, I'm going to start by asking one of these potentially awkward questions. What kind of symptoms are you experiencing? Actually, you know what? I'm going to go back a bit further. Even prior to being diagnosed, what symptoms have you been experiencing? Yes. So it's interesting because you don't know the symptoms you're experiencing that are Parkinson's related until you're actually diagnosed with Parkinson's and then the picture comes full circle. Probably the first symptom that I started experiencing, maybe seven or eight years ago, was I had a a hitch in my giddy-up, as they say. There was something wrong with my walk. I couldn't figure out how to walk properly. So I'd clomp or I'd drag my foot, and my wife would go, would you pick up your feet? And I'm like, well, I'm trying. I go, maybe my shoes are too heavy. So I'd buy a lighter pair of shoes, and I'd still clump so then I'd buy a lighter pair of shoes and I'd clump again so now I've got like four successive pairs of lighter shoes and I'm going okay, maybe it's not the shoes <laughs> I don't know maybe I'm just overweight or maybe you make all these excuses and then we'd be at parties or gatherings or even a dinner with friends and I wouldn't say much I would I would observe and I'd absorb the conversation but when it was my turn to talk I was either I had nothing to say or I was three minutes behind the conversation. It was just chalked up to, well, he's had too much to drink or he's tired or he had a hard week or he's thinking about something else, something, you know, stress or we chalked it up to something else. And then my wife would go, do you smell that? And I go, no, no. She goes, you don't smell that. And it could have been the pot from the neighbors or it could have been, you know, just a foul smell in the air. 
I, go, I don't smell it. Or she she may be cooking. And I'm like, let's order in for dinner. She goes, I'm cooking. Can't you smell it? And so I, I guess I at some point lost my sense of smell, which ultimately affects your sense of taste, your ability to taste. My handwriting has always been atrocious, but I could always read it. Like if I'm taking notes during a meeting, I could jot things down, but it started getting smaller and smaller. So like I couldn't distinguish the scribbles. So I'd be doing a seminar or something, taking notes or, you know, uh, having staff meetings or whatever. And then I'd get back to my desk and I'd look at my notes and I couldn't interpret them anymore. One day I reached over the couch to hand my son a glass of water and the water started spilling out of the cup because my arm was shaking so dramatically. And he's like, dad, why, why is your arm shaking? I'm like, I don't know. Larry, I want to learn more about the science behind your symptoms. So I paid a visit to Caroline Wiggins and Alicia Robel at the Parkinson's Society of British Columbia. So Parkinson's is the second most common neurodegenerative disorder after Alzheimer's disease, and it's caused by a lack of dopamine in the brain. What is dopamine? It is a chemical in the brain, well, contained in the brain, and it controls voluntary and involuntary movement. So what happens is these dopamine cells die, and when over half of those cells are not alive in the brain any longer, then Parkinson's begins to develop. Caroline, we know from hearing Larry's story that there's not just one or two symptoms, but there's numerous symptoms associated with Parkinson's disease. So what does Parkinson's or having Parkinson's actually look like? Parkinson's has both motor and non-motor symptoms and most commonly probably is resting tremor which is the repetitive shaking in arms and or legs for individuals. Also slowness of movement in walking and writing, impaired balance and posture, rigidity of the muscles so that's increased stiffness in muscles and joints, fatigue, soft speech, small handwriting, constipation, pain, changes in mind, memory, and mood. So depression and anxiety are very common in people with Parkinson's, as well as sleep disturbances. What was it like when you first heard your diagnosis? Can you take me back to that day when you're sitting in the doctor's office and he says, we figured it out. This is what it is. Yeah, it's not quite exactly like that. It's not like the movies. It's not like the movies. So last January is probably when I started noticing the tremors and then some things with my feet and my legs have been wonky for years, but I started getting this really big pain in my leg and I'm like, well, this is not normal. So I went to my family physician and she did some tests and, and she goes, I don't mean to alarm you. But I'm going to set up a consult with a MS specialist, multiple sclerosis. I'm like, well, that's alarming. Uh, and they did all the tests for MS. The neurologist said, I am not a Parkinson specialist. I'm an MS specialist. So I can definitively tell you, you don't have MS. But because your right side is not weaker than your left side, it's slower than your left side. I believe you have Parkinson's, but I cannot diagnose you. Fast forward four months. 
when I went through the battery of tests again, and they go, yeah, you've got a lot of Parkinsonisms. Parkinsonisms. What are Parkinsonisms? Well, so like if you have cancer, there's something in your body and you go out and you remove that. There's no Parkinson in me, but I have this collection of symptoms. And each one of the symptoms that I've listed is a Parkinsonism. It's one of the 20 or 30 possible symptoms that somebody can have. What was it like when you shared the news of your diagnosis with your family? Was there any fear or apprehension going into that? Sure. Well, I called my wife from the parking lot after the initial meeting with the neurologist. I said, I got good news and I got some bad news. I said, I don't have MS. And she goes, well, that's a relief. I said, but they think I have Parkinson's. And we were both like, oh, so like Michael J. Fox, like Muhammad Ali. We didn't know what it meant. I didn't know that Parkinson's wasn't a killer disease. It's just this relentless deterioration of your brain. We cried, and it's not the end of the world, but it's the end of the world as we knew it. It's got to be hard to explain the nuances of Parkinson's to anyone, but you have a young son. What was it like explaining to an eight-year-old that daddy has a disease and it's called Parkinson's? You start off with daddy's sick. There's certain things we just can't do anymore. What disease does your daddy have? Parkinson's. How do you know your daddy has Parkinson's? Because he can't walk. I can't walk very well, no. What else happens? And I can't climb on his back. No, you can't. Um. What else? I can't jump on you. Like this. <laughs> no, no, you can't jump on me anymore. How's that make you feel? Um, sad. We couldn't figure out why I was unable to throw the Frisbee for a while. Like, I just couldn't coordinate the release of the Frisbee. I would go every which way. Now I throw Frisbee with my left hand and catch with my left hand. So I'm adapting so I can still play with him and engage with him. But because we laugh about it quite frequently in the family, he catches on to that. And he, if it gets too serious, then he'll walk into the room and drag his foot like Dad does. You know, it's, it's a loving mock. Uh, and so he's he's embraced it, and he he understands that's our new reality. And but uh, he gets he gets nervous about it. You know, he doesn't like to talk about it that much, uh, and it scares him at times. <laughs> What's it like being the mom of an eight year old? Challenging and silly. Yes. I'm Rebecca Gifford. I'm Larry Gifford's wife. What was Larry like when you got married? Friendly, lively, funny, gregarious, active, quick-witted, smart. So how would you say the disease has changed me? I guess I wouldn't say that it's changed you, the core of you and the essence of you. I think it's predominantly changed how you interact with the world. For me, it's more effort. Everything is effortful. Mm So walking, uh, balance, listening and responding and having a conversation. So the silver lining way to look at it, I suppose, then, is that you've been forced to slow everything down and pay closer attention to the moments. You know, at the same time, you don't necessarily want to feel like you have to be hypervigilant either. That must be very hard. You've fought disease. You had cancer. It's exhausting to constantly be in battle with something in your body. And so that's, that's what I find a lot is, is just, it's tiring. 
Do you really see it as a, a battle every day? Well, it's... I, I think unconsciously my body is has not embraced this as part of who I am. It's still an external force of some kind mm-hmm. invading my space. Mm-hmm. I think I've come to the realization that we're constant companions. Mm-hmm. And so there's... Your companion is more a frenemy at this point. It's a frenemy. It's <laughs> yeah. definitely a frenemy. Than a true friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that it's part of my life, but I don't believe it entirely when I say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Larry, how are you dealing with this frenemy of yours? <laughs> you you have some medication on the table in front of you there. Can you walk me through what those are? Yeah. So this is... Uh, one of my bottles of Levodopa Carbidopa, uh, which is sort of the main drug to treat tremors for Parkinson's. And it, I take this three to four times a day, one and a half pills. And then I have this other bottle over here, which is a bigger dose. It's a double dose that I take at night and it's controlled release. So it lasts longer through the night so I can sleep longer. It doesn't always work. And then I have um, a magnesium glycinate. Uh, and that helps with my sleeping well as well as my blood pressure, which is great. It's a two-for-one. I also have high cholesterol, so I have my rovastatin, and I take an aspirin every day. And I take vitamin D, and, I, <laughs> and the list goes on. I was on another drug called amantadine, but it was giving me hallucinations. So I would be in a meeting, and I would see a dog down the hallway. Or I'd be at my computer and I'd see spiders crawling on the wall. And this was not productive to, to living your life. So they took me off the amantadine and the hallucinations went away. Wow. How long has it been since you were diagnosed? August of 2017. So not that long. And that's how many different types of, of pills you've had to go through since then. Yeah. And what's funny is, you know, I spent the first 45 years of my life avoiding medication of all time. And I was a pretty healthy guy. And now I've got a pill box like I'm 78 years old. And I've got the Sunday pills and the Monday pills and the Tuesday pills. And so, and that will be the case for the rest of my life. Larry, at the beginning of the podcast, you said that you're ready to share your story. Why is that important to you? Well, many don't realize it, but over time, Parkinson's literally steals the voice of people with Parkinson's. I talked about this exact topic on another podcast called Sick Boy. It features Jeremy Saunders, Brian Stever, and Taylor McGilvery. These guys are funny, insightful, and they're doing a great job of breaking down the stigma associated with illness and disease. Yeah, I really want to hear this. Okay, here you are with Jeremy. I'm so eager to talk about it now while I still have a voice Yeah, because I I want my story to be out there and I want more people with Parkinson's to tell their stories, why they still can, because if we don't, it doesn't kill us. Parkinson's isn't a deadly disease, so we're not going to raise funds for research and stuff unless we start being activists. That was something else that you just said that I didn't know, was that Parkinson's is not considered a a degeneratively fatal disease? No, it's degenerative. It'll cause things that could kill you, but it... Parkinson's itself it's won't kill, be kill the you. Thing that kills no. you. Wow! So, wow! wow. I, I, and I just want—I kind of want to touch on how, how, just how like powerful and and simultaneously heartbreaking and beautiful it is that you you've spent uh, so much of your career in in the world of radio, the world of audio, 
uh, the world of like you know storytelling through through voice, uh, and yet you're slowly having that that ripped away from you, and to have the foresight of going well, f- fuck, if that's the case, then uh, I need to act now and and do as much as I can to to make a difference in in terms of the world of, of Parkinson's awareness. Um, yeah, it, I scares, think this is it scares a, the hell out of me. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Wow. So, have you met others that are telling their stories as well? Yeah, sure. I mean, some some have the disease, and others are dealing with loved ones who have Parkinson's. But all of them, as I tell my story, more and more people are reaching out to me to share their story. I'm Emily Chambers, and I'm the creator of Shake Shake Shake. So Emily invited me to speak at her fundraiser this year. She's a singer-songwriter from British Columbia who now lives and works in uh, Nashville. And her dad has had Parkinson's for 19 years. During the event, we snuck backstage and I asked her a few questions. Why did you start this Shake, Shake, Shake? I started Shake, Shake with my sister because I think we really realized that, you know, it was affecting everyday life of my mom. And... um, You know, we just realized it was happening and I wanted to do something and I didn't really know what to do. I don't have any money (laughs) and, you know, I didn't I didn't know how to and I know how to put on a show. So it just came to my mind of like, hey, I love to plan shows. So why not put this to a good cause? And I approached Parkinson's Society, British Columbia, and they were super on board. And we just kind of went from there and we totally have been winging it ever since. (laughs) (laughs) Shot in the dark, but it's going well. What have you learned from this experience? I have learned that it's amazing how many people are like an arm's length away from a disease like Parkinson's and multiple sclerosis. It's it's incredible how many people know somebody or directly or indirectly that is touched by this disease or a family member or a friend that's lost somebody to this these diseases. And so it's all too common and, and not talked about enough. And, you know, I think a lot of other illnesses like cancer and stuff, they really take the crown. And I know that everything is important, but this affects an incredible amount of Canadians and British Columbians, especially as well. It's like one in thir- it's like 13,000 British Columbians and one in 300 and something people in BC have MS. That's insane. Yeah, it's one in 500 of it have Parkinson's, too. Yeah. It's crazy. And it's not talked about, especially because the way that Parkinson's presents itself, it makes you it makes you pretty insular. So if you don't have, like, a partner that wants to talk about it or you're not, you know, working at being open and talking about it, it's totally just in the wind. Oh, I've heard about that. That's Michael J. Fox. That That's that disease that makes it move all like that, when it's not that at all. And so nobody really knows anything about it. So it was really cool to start Shake and bring like a younger dynamic that just wants to come and see a good show and give them a little lesson in like, you're helping out so many families right now. Larry, let's go back to the Sick Boy podcast for a moment because I think that Brian and Taylor had some really good questions. I really don't know the difference between MS and Parkinson's. Real simple, and I, some people are going, oh, no, it's more than that. But the way they explained it to me, because I thought I was getting weaker on my right side, and so they did all these tests. And what they found was I'm slower on my right side than my left. And if I had MS, it would be weaker. Right. Okay. And so if they were, okay, and I know this is just like a silly question, but if you wanted to have one of them, which one would you want to have? You want to have Parkinson's. Okay. 
I thought I thought that that was the answer, but How? then I but then I, there's a lot that I don't know about. Why Why do you Why is that your answer? Because <clears throat> that's what the neurologist told me, so I trust him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> okay, for a more clinical explanation, here's Alicia again from Parkinson's BC. So with Parkinson's, it's caused by a lack of dopamine in the brain, and with MS, it's an autoimmune disorder that attacks the myelin, which is a protective covering of the nerves. Right. So even at the they're very core. They're different. Yeah, they're different in terms of their causes, but a lot of the symptoms are very similar and aligned with one another, so they tend to get um, a little bit confused. So at their core, the main difference is the cause, and then secondarily, the age of diagnosis is quite different from one another. So with Parkinson's, most people are diagnosed over the age of 60, and MS is quite a bit younger, between like 15 and 40. I don't want people to think that Parkinson's doesn't affect younger people as well because we have heard of people even ages like two and three years old that have been diagnosed with it. Wow. So, And there's also something called young onset Parkinson's disease, which is usually we define it as people younger than the age of 60. But you said that there's some symptoms that are similar between the two. Yeah, so... In terms of the similarities, both of them are neurological diseases, which means that they're related to the nervous system themselves. People can experience difficulty with speech and swallowing, cognitive impairment, mood changes, and coordination challenges. With both of them, there's no cure, and the diseases are experienced differently by each person. So it's not like Everyone who has MS is going to have the exact same experience with it. They might have different symptoms, likewise with Parkinson's. Quickly, I want to go back to your question, Nikki. Why am I sharing my story? Sharing stories builds community and connection. Emily Chambers wouldn't have known to invite me to Shake, Shake, Shake if I hadn't shared my story. And, and I'm really grateful that she reached out. So after I came out last month, you reached out to me. Mm-hmm. What prompted you to reach out to me? I saw your your interview with Global and I I don't know, I was just moved by it because you're young and you have young kids and I just thought I wasn't in a place when my dad was diagnosed and he came home to be, you know, empathetic or think anything about it. I was just like a kid that was like, What? Dad can't do what? And so I think it like touched me and it made me think of my mom and it just made me think of your wife and it just made me think of, I don't know, I just felt like I should reach out and tell you what, what I was doing. And, and I thought it was really brave and honorable that you were talking about it because my dad wouldn't be talking about it. No one would know about my dad if I didn't do this. What made you feel like it was important to tell your story? I listened to a podcast from Michael J. Fox Foundation. Mm. There was a researcher on there from Connecticut or New Jersey or someplace. And he said, this is becoming a pandemic. Twice as many people have Parkinson's today that had it 15 years ago, and twice as many more will have it 15 years from now. Right. That's the wrong direction for a disease. I still don't know anything about it. And if the people with Parkinson's aren't sort of telling their stories... While they still have a voice, mm-hmm. nothing's really? nothing's gonna happen. Yeah, and I'm like, well, here I am. I have a voice. Not only do I have a voice, you have a platform. I have a platform. Mm-hmm. I've got TV stations. I've got radio stations. I've totally. got websites that stretch across Canada and around the world. I'm like, well, if I'm not gonna do it, how can I expect anybody else to do it? Exactly. But I was keeping it a secret for a long time. Yeah, totally. And I was keeping it 
in the denial area of my mind for a long time, you know? It didn't directly affect me, so therefore, you know, until it really, I woke up to the fact that it was directly affecting everyone in my family. One of the great things about the relationship my wife Rebecca and I have is our communication. At the end of each day, we share what happened, good or bad, scary or confusing, and we provide each other with perspective. We're going to do that at the end of each episode of When Life Gives You Parkinson's. This disease impacts both of us on a daily basis, and it's a journey that we're taking together. How you doing? <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> First off, uh, let the record show that I do a horrible impersonation of you. <laughs> Would you pick up your feet? You don't smell that. I'm cooking. Can't you smell it? <laughs> like, who is this person he married? <laughs> Um, you don't really sound harsh and angry, like maybe I might have portrayed it when I was talking to Nikki at the start. That said, I do have a pretty clear memory of at least once when we were hiking or walking somewhere and way pre-diagnosis and just kind of that clunk, clunk, clunk that you do, which now we know is part of your Parkinson's and um, just going, wow, you're, you're walking really heavy with what's going on and probably had some reactions to that, maybe some negative reactions to that as well. This was the uh, first time that you heard the discussion that I had with Emily Chambers. First of all, she's lovely, and I'm enthusiastic to meet her, hopefully soon. Um, And I liked so much about the conversation, but there was a portion of it where you were talking about the wide effects and the, the use of the word pandemic when it comes to Parkinson's and neurological disorders. And that really, the concept of that really struck me. The idea that my Parkinson's uh, is part of this global pandemic and it feels really personal to me and not like part of this global monster. If you look at it from a larger humanity perspective, does that look differently to to you than it does when you look at it from how is how am I feeling today? Well, it feels, I, I guess it it feels more detached if you put it as part of the pandemic, and it's it's real to me every day as mine. But I don't see the connective tissue of it. And then there's part of me, there's the other part of me that's really upset that we humans have allowed this to escalate Mm -hmm. to a point where it's like, whoa, we probably ought to pay attention to this. Mm -hmm. Being forced to on an individual and then on a larger humanity planet wise way to really pay attention to what are we doing to our nervous systems? How are we, what is climate change and the use of devices and chemicals and how we're using our brains, not using our brains and our sensory input and and all of that. What impact does that have? I know there's a lot of unknowns there, but as disease tends to do, it forces you to make some changes and look at some things that perhaps you were avoiding looking at or weren't able to see unless something like this occurred. And looking at that can be frightening because it's stuff that you've been shoving away from looking at for all your life. (laughs) Well, what have you been shoving away? I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) I 
guess that's coming up with later in the podcast. Later in the podcast. <laughs> Part of this journey that yeah. you're on for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I was talking earlier to Emily Chambers. I was talking about that study. Uh, it was from the University of Rochester Medical Center. And the doctor's name was neurologist Ray Dorsey. Uh, I want to give him full credit because mm-hmm. he's the reason why I told my story to begin with and why I'm doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. All of this is us trying to find meaning for Parkinson's. Like, yep. is there a greater, mm-hmm. you know, this is happening because, or is it just luck of the draw? And where are you on that? Uh, you know what? I, I don't know where I'm at on that. There's a lot of laughter in our house because Parkinson's makes you do some crazy things. You spill things, you clumsy at times, you know, you have good days and bad days. I, I want to live a mindful life. I want to live a happy life. I want to live a loving life. And that's my choice. And nobody else gets to choose that for me. I'm not a victim. I get to own this life. All of its scars and all of its pills and everything else is mine. So I can either be pissed about that for the rest of my life and be angry, or I can say, you know what? I got a lot of work to do, and I got a lot of loving to do, so let's get on with it. More than 100,000 Canadians have Parkinson's. In the United States, 60,000 more people are diagnosed each year. And in Britain, every minute someone is diagnosed with Parkinson's. An estimated 10 million people have been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. It's the second most common age-related neurodegenerative disorder after Alzheimer's disease in the world. 4% of people diagnosed are under the age of 50. Coming up in the next episode of When Life Gives You Parkinson's. I am Larry's older brother. Older brother. Older sister. Are you able to laugh about my Parkinson's yet? It's not funny. (laughs) It's just not. What worries you the most? You know, I have this picture of you doing the Superman running down the street trying to catch a bus. Um, (laughs) And and I know that's not an everyday occurrence, but it's like, holy cow, that's, that's Larry's life right now. I don't remember exactly what I was doing, but I can remember first is like... Wow. I couldn't remember how I heard, and, and I think Mom called me before I got your text. Sitting on the couch in my living room, tears just started coming down my face like they just did. I was aware something was going on. I don't think we knew enough of the details. It was uh, an eye-opening experience. It was something that I didn't ever expect that that was what would happen to any of us. Thanks for listening to When Life Gives You Parkinson's. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this. And while you're there, give the show a rating and feel free to comment too. Hey, that's important. Please rate this show. Those few clicks are about the easiest way you can help us raise awareness of Parkinson's disease and help us make a difference in the world. You can also engage with us on social media, ask questions, share stories, comment on this episode. It's easy. Just search at Parkinson's Pod on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We also want to take a moment to recognize Parkinson Canada, a proud partner of this podcast. You can find them online at parkinson.ca. Keep positive. Keep exercising. Keep listening. We'll talk to you next time.